Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara in Providence uh, with uh, my cohort, co-star, co-whatever, Bill Koch. Bill Merry Christmas and welcome back to the podcast. Kevin Mack, happy holidays. As usual, far too kind with my build up there. Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to do a little holiday version of the podcast today. We're going to review, well, what, how did you term last night? I, I kind of like that one. It was a New York street crime? Uh, it was a throwback to 1970s Brooklyn, a mugging on the streets uh, that Florida administered to Providence Bra- last night. Brownsville, Coney Island. <laughs> there's, there's a few. Yes. Neighborhood candidates in B- Bushwick, Brooklyn. Flatbush, Flatbush, any of those. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Kew Gardens. This one was at lovely Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are always happy to walk into Barclays. It's a nice, beautiful, great spot. building in uh, in the middle of Brooklyn. It is. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about what happened in Brooklyn last night. Needless to say, and touch on a few other things, and then we're, we're going to end the podcast by playing Santa Claus and give out give out some college basketball. Gifts, presents, ideas, etc. You know, the older I get, the more I realize it is better to give than to receive. Yes, I would tend to agree, but I was spoiled as a child. <laughs> I like to receive gifts, and my children and wife are well aware of that. Oh, that's good. But uh, I try to reciprocate as best I can. Yes. So that's all. That's all you can do. Yes. Um, but we will start with the Providence Friars, uh, eighty. 351 that's 32 points for you math challenge listeners losers on Tuesday night to the Florida Gators um, right from the get go this was not a good night for the Friars uh, both teams started slowly um, Lamar Simpson Jeff Anderson and Mike Eads were ready to blow their whistles and attacked it hard in the first 10 minutes. That really uh, affected Providence more than Florida just because they were taking more free throws than field goal shots because of all the fouls that were piling up. So you say, okay, you flip the page and uh, the Friars can get going. It never happened, folks. They ended the first half shooting 18%, 5 for 28 Okay, so it's halftime, and you yell and scream and, you know, make a few changes and adjustments. Second half, 33%. Well, that is better than 18, Bill. Slightly. But to end the game at 
And from the free throw line, they missed 14 of 34 free throws. Mm. And I'm going to have you utter the three-point, the record-setting three-point accuracy, inaccuracy for the Friars. That was record-setting, was it? Well, I can't confirm that, but oh, I, I like the chance. I thought you were breaking news on the podcast. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll go back and flip through my records. One for 18 for the Friars from three-point. Can range. you say that again? One for 18. One for 18. 0 for 9 in the first half. One for 9 in the second. Uh, Luan Pipkins made the only three-pointer of the game with about eight minutes to go. And uh, that was it. And that's what happens when you lose by 32 points. You shoot. 26% and 5.6% from the three-point line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've received all sorts of texts and emails and phone calls about what's wrong with the Friars. Folks, forget about the defense. Forget about even the free throw missing. Alpha Diallo, he missed 10. Yeah. He's hovering around 54% for the season. Mm-hmm. And he's going to shoot a lot of free throws. But, folks, that's not the issue Last night. Last night is 26% and 5.6%. You're not beating anybody if you miss that kind of uh, you know, inventory. Layups, wide open threes, contested shots. You know, Florida is one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, but basically, you ran the gamut last night. Yeah, it was a, a perfect storm of, of nastiness, really. Uh, if you're a Friars fan and, and you made the trip to Brooklyn, and as we know, PC has great support. Uh, in the New York area, they they generally draw well to Madison Square Garden when they play in the Big East tournament, and I would imagine they had a pretty healthy contingent on hand last night. They couldn't wait to get going, and there was never a reason to get going. Yeah, you you, you just look at this game and and you think this is just it, it's sort of the nightmare scenario for Providence, right? You you've started off poorly, your offense isn't playing well, and you match up against a Florida team that was ranked six in the country to start the year. Had sort of scuffled out of the gate at six and three, but a team that plays very good defense under Mike White, uh, their coach, who came from Louisiana Tech, and in his last years, com- his last eight years combined at Louisiana Tech and Florida, he's had a top thirty-five defense in Ken Palm and seven of them. Uh, so these guys will get after you and and make life difficult. And I think we saw the convergence of a struggling offense that lacks confidence with. A defense that that played with a bit of an edge last night, and you know, what you end up with is eighty three to fifty one, and you know those shooting numbers, which as you mentioned and, and went over, they're just wretched. So um, the only two players who really showed up at all were Diallo, and again, people want to kill Alpha because he's missing free throws, and that's legit. He needs to make his free throws at a better clip, but at least he's taking the ball strong to the basket, getting to the line. He took twenty free throws. Ended with 20 points and 12 rebounds. Nate Watson, uh, very good again, 18 points and 8 rebounds. The rest of the team made five field goals. Right. And it was five for 32. Uh, you know, David Duke has had a very good year so far. Didn't make a basket. Uh, A.J. Reeves, there's a search party out for A.J. He was 0 for 8, 0 for 6 with some scud missiles from the three-point line. Uh, Malik White was 0 for 4 from downtown. Uh, Just go up. uh, Greg Gant, uh, it was the worst game I've seen Greg play all year, and he had plenty of minutes, 23 minutes. He did not score with four attempts. Uh, Just, it was a two-man team last night. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But, you know, Bill, you just mentioned one word, uh, which it goes back to, I guess it probably goes back to, 
you know, personal pride, toughness, etc. When the ball doesn't go in, you can't get demoralized. And right. That was a you could see you could, the body language was really bad. Yeah, you know, I I I don't like to call out players for for effort because they are college players, and and you know it is what it is. They're not professionals. Uh, I would say though that. Providence really had two guys who competed in this game and, and two guys who you know actually looked like they belonged on the court last night, and that was Alpha Diallo and Nate Watson. The, the rest, you know, not through lack of effort, uh, you know, more through lack of execution and, and just not playing with any confidence, you know, looked like guys who, who weren't in the game, yeah. uh, you know, who, sh- who shouldn't have been playing against Florida. They should have been playing against, you know, lesser competition. And, and we know just based on the pedigree and based on some of the things that we've seen these guys do before, we know that's not who they are. Um, but for right now, it, as, as Bill Parcells used to say, your record speaks more about who you are. And Providence is six and six, and they got Texas coming in here this weekend. This could get ugly fast here. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've said for a couple of weeks now, Providence needs to, you know, kind of flip the page and get on, you know, the right trajectory. Uh, last night was a major, major step backwards, and now there's one more road game, but one more non-conference game before the Big East begins. And we've talked about it here on the podcast. There's no more easy games for Providence the rest of the way. That they have to become one of the tougher games on the other team's schedule, and it's not looking like that's the case. Providence right now is playing as bad as anyone in the league in the Big East, um, and Texas comes in here on Saturday nine and one. Um, we'll see what happens. Just you know, mentioning Florida earlier and in, in their defensive efficiency going back a few years. I look at Providence's team page on KenPom dot com. They're only favored to win two more games this year. No, really. Which is let me let me let me hear them. I'll see if I agree. St. John's at home. Yes. DePaul at home. Well, I, I think DePaul is a middle of the pack for sure. Big East team. So DePaul at home. Hmm. Well, we'll see about that one. They will be underdogs in the rest of their games this year. What is Kenny's uh, guess on Saturday's game? Uh, he's got Texas minus one. One? Yes. One, did you say one point? One point. <clears throat> well, all I'll say is that Providence has failed to cover the point spread. I believe it's seven games in a row. Right. And my prediction for that spread was somewhere between four and six. Yeah. So I don't wager course, of course. On, on, the, on the Friars because it's not even legal to do in Rhode Island. Correct. Um, but run, sprint, Usain Bolt to your associate at one point. Wowee. Uh, I mean, but just... One. A, just okay. Well, who knows? We'll see what it is on Saturday but, morning. But, 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 just but your point's well taken. It's uh, December 18th. And Providence is favored in two games the rest of the season. Two games the rest of the season. Uh, Ken Palm now currently predicts a 12-19 and 19 record for this Providence team overall, which if, if we had said that on November 1st when we had started this season, we would, have, we would have been laughed out of the room. I would have laughed at myself. Yeah, well, it would be Ed Cooley's worst season of Providence. Uh, his only losing season was year one. They were 15-17. and 17. And that was in a Big East that's better than this Big East. Much better. Um, but uh, And that 
if you tell me they're only going to win 12 games, I'd say that that's uh, they'd be the most disappointing team in the country, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, based on preseason, but you know, it's almost as if after looking at them for 12 games, it's time to forget about what we talked about preseason. We were wrong. Okay, and we weren't the only ones. Uh, anyone who looked at Providence's roster and said, "Well, A plus B plus C," being maybe the two additions: Greg Gant, freshman, Luan Pipkins, grad transfer, uh, that all must equal something good. Right. Uh, that's not the case. So uh, the question is: is where Providence can go from here? And I'm as confused as anyone because uh, there's no transfers, there's no trades, it is what it is, uh, and they continue to get really uneven play from their guards, namely their point guards, uh, Pipkins and Malik White, two seniors, uh, once again last night were very ineffective. Uh, Pipkins pulled early in the first half, uh, White just, you know, not making much of an impact. Um I'm not sure where they can go from here. They, they, again, they need those guys who you saw last night, five, six, seven, eight, nine players. That's your team. Uh, if anything, they might be able to get it down to eight players, but Ed Cooley's going to play eight guys and mix and match or whatever kind of offense or defense he wants to switch to. Those guys need to get better. And so far, we haven't seen any progress. Yeah, for me, good college basketball teams, it starts at the top, coaching. And obviously, Ed Cooley has won a significant amount at Providence, five straight NCAAs. It's not like he became a bad coach overnight. Seven postseasons in a row. Right. It's not like he became a bad coach overnight. So for everyone who wants to point the finger at the coach, yes, he deserves his share of blame. It's not solely on him. Sure. I look at the players, and I look at the best college basketball teams that I've covered since I came to the Journal, they all had a clear leader, a clear alpha dog type of guy who could grab his teammates by the scruff of the neck, drag them over the finish line in a given game. I think about those Rhode Island teams that went to the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't follow a guy like Jared Terrell? Who wouldn't follow a guy like Hassan Martin? Uh, Hassan was, you know, in a much more quiet way. Jared was in a much more extroverted way. Uh, I look at Rhodey now. Fats Russell has that quality, that magnetism, that that sort of pull to incite the crowd and bring his teammates along. Who is that player on Providence right now? Well, it needs to be Alpha Diallo. But who, is he? Capable no, he's of not. Doing he's it? not that. He, he doesn't match what you're talking about. The larger point that I'm getting at. I'm trying to get at is this is just a very vanilla team mm-hmm. and and I don't necessarily see Alpha Diallo or Khalif Young who are your seniors being that type of guy. Luan Pipkins can't be that type of guy because he's a, a hired gun. He's a mercenary, a one-year player. Um, Malik White's a bench player. Generally it's not that guy either. Mm-hmm. Who is going to take control of this team? Who is going to lead them? I don't think they found that yet, and I think that's probably the biggest problem that yep. I see. No, it's a definite issue, uh, and I think that showed up late. You know, you, you're down 18, pretty much 15 to 20 most of the second half. You're really not making. You know, you're playing Florida even, but you're really not making much headway. And in the last five minutes, Florida hits a couple threes. You keep missing wide open shots, and then Florida starts dunking. That they had maybe two or three dunks in the last five minutes. Yeah. That's when I call timeout and say, listen, fellas, it's not on night. It's not going well. The next guy who dunks is going down. <laughs> that's, that's not happening. You're playing 1980s basketball. Yeah. Cedric Maxwell, Kevin McHale, you, close lines. You have five seniors oh. 
who they shouldn't accept that. That, no. that, that should not be happening. No. First of all, you could play better defense, so you're not in a position to dunk. But that's right. Uh, we're, yes. we're not we're not advocating going out and, and mugging people and being physical like that. But I, I, maybe I, I, I'm advocating being very physical. Uh, maybe more in the philosophical sense. Though. Yeah, play a little tougher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Where I think Providence competed hard, uh, you know, ended up you know uh, out rebounding Florida, and you know they're playing hard. But last night the ball was not going in. And then in the last five minutes, you could tell that there was a, more of a mental change that uh, that can't happen. So, yeah. uh, don't have a lot to promise for Friar fans here um, uh, going forward, but uh, certainly a win on Saturday against a pretty good Texas team. Uh, Texas uh, has won at Purdue. Uh, Mr. Koch is going to read their better wins when he... Uh, can, but please do. Uh, winning at Purdue, good win. Uh, lost to Georgetown on a neutral floor. Um, you know, otherwise their schedule isn't really that great. Uh, they beat Texas A&M on a neutral court. Texas A&M no is good. sort yeah. of ordinary this year. Yeah. Uh, beat Cal on a neutral court. They're not necessarily all that great. Um, Purdue is by far their best win uh, on the road. Uh, lost to Georgetown. Uh, they play Providence here then High Point, and then they start in the Big 12 uh, at Baylor. So a real good test coming up for them to start Big 12 play. Uh, and this is you – know, we talked about this before the start of the podcast. This is a game that Texas needs to get. Mm. If you're going to compete in the Big 12 and, and you're going to try to push Kansas and you know maybe Iowa State and, and a couple other teams in that league, this is not the type of game that Texas can lose. So they're going to bring some sort of urgency here to try to keep up with the Baylors and the Texas Techs and the West Virginias of the world. Well, let's cut to the chase here, and Friar fans won't want to hear this. This would be a bad loss for Texas. Providence could be a quad three team for Texas. This is uh, you know 135 and higher on the road. You don't want a quad three loss. Right. And that's really what Texas uh, could be be dealing with on Saturday, but uh, enough of that. Uh, Providence is the only team that has played in Rhode Island since our last podcast, uh, but we do want to preview uh, the University of Rhode Island's uh, game. The Rams are still playing basketball, although it doesn't seem that way. <laughs> right. uh, their last game was their win over Providence, which for me anyway seems like a long time ago. It was. But you were there yesterday to talk to the Rams, and uh, it seems like they used their time off really well. Number one, to get healthy. And number two to, I guess, straighten out their roster. They have uh, they have a few issues. Yeah, there are some changes there. First, obviously, health. And by health, we're looking at Fats Russell, a guy who, at the end of the Providence game, as he said, was banged up, just could not get to 100%, uh, struggled with a sprained ankle in practice, a sprained right knee uh, against Nichols State, and, and then against the Friars. Last play of the first half, he takes a very hard fall shaking his right wrist, uh, was sore the entire second half. He wouldn't have known it the way he came out and shot the ball, but um, a guy who, who definitely needed a rest and some time off and, and obviously a critical piece going forward. Uh, they play Western Kentucky, who is without Charles Bassey, uh, their big guy, NBA prospect. He suffered a left leg fracture, had surgery. Uh, Fats and, and David Cox, both very classy, uh, unprompted without being asked. Uh, sent their best wishes to Charles Bassey. Um, so this changes the equation a little bit going into that game. It's going to make Rhode Island a, a, a you know a pretty firm favorite in the game against Western Kentucky. Uh, the type of home game that 
you circled at the beginning of the year and, and said this was a chance to get a top 100-ish type win? Against a home. team that could win its league. No question. Yeah. Um, you know, a team that's going to be among the favorites in Conference USA. So a good opportunity for the Rams on Saturday at the Ryan Center. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not a Conference USA favorite anymore, but in all honesty, I don't know West, I don't know Western Kentucky's full roster, but I certainly know Bassey, who scouts uh, did have as almost a certain first-round pick as one of the better big men prospects in the country. But, uh, you know... I, I'll be curious if the layoff, really long layoff for the Rams, uh, hurts them at all. And then, um, you know, next week they stay busy. Uh, yeah, they go um, go to Middle Tennessee for a road game uh, on the 29th, uh, just after Christmas. I assume they would send their players home for a couple days and, and then bring them back probably on the 26th or 27th. Uh, and then they go to Brown to finish up their non-conference schedule. So last home non-league game at the Ryan Center, uh, a game that – you know, they, they certainly need to get. Uh, they're in a decent spot in the first net rankings that came out. They're in the low 70s. Um, so certainly a, a team that's within striking distance of an NCAA berth. They have six quad one games left. Uh, they're 0-3 so far in those, but opportunity knocks for URI, and, and this is the type of game where you need to take care of business. Yeah, well, uh, we wrote about it the other day, the uh, NCAA's net rankings came out for the first time this season on Monday. Uh, the A-10's numbers uh, were, were very positive. They have eight teams in, in pretty good position. Uh, Dayton is at 10, Duquesne 20, Richmond 22. Uh, all of those three are in excellent position. VCU at 52, St. Louis 66, George Mason 67, Rhode Island 72, Davidson at 101, and they're the underachieving team in the league, so I think we all think that when at full health, Davidson can be a top 100 team as well. So more chances for Rhode Island to build its resume in the league than the last couple seasons. Uh, And the A-10, you know, this should not be a two-bid league. Simple as that. No, not at all. You know, last year you're going in the conference tournament and it's a one-bid league. Uh, And if Rhode Island doesn't upset VCU in in the quarterfinals, uh, it's going to be a one-bid league. It it ends up, you know, you squeak a couple teams in there, St. Louis joining VCU by winning the conference tournament. Um, but the league is much better positioned this year. If you look at what it's done. Bill, I'm rooting for Duquesne. How great would it be <laughs> Keith Dambrot, huh? Duquesne has a good season? I mean, wow. Duquesne. I mean, forever yeah. and ever and ever, Duquesne has been at the bottom of the league. And we've seen this the last couple of years. They're clearly getting better. Uh, just good recruiting. Simple as that. Uh, very tough uh, you know, teams he's brought into the Ryan Center. And to have them still undefeated? Only like five teams in the country? You had a Rhode Island team in the top 20 who needed a, a buzzer beater from Stan Robinson to beat them. Mm. Uh, they were down 15, I think, in the second half of that game at the Ryan Center. Uh, you know, Duquesne definitely takes the identity of their coach. Keith Danbrett was very successful at Akron. Uh, he was very successful before that in high school coaching LeBron James. Uh, you know, Granted, Bill. I could coach LeBron James oh, well, that's, in high school. That's fair too, yeah. but, but, you're, but you're, your points well taken. You're coaching the circus around LeBron James much more than the player mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, Duquesne, you you look at their schedule; it's light. They haven't necessarily played you know, what you would consider to be elite opponents. They blasted Princeton in their opener. Uh, Indiana State's their best win on a neutral floor. Sycamores are, are a perennial contender. Uh, you know, out there in the Midwest, in the Missouri Valley. A couple road wins, though. They went to Radford, I think, and won. And Smart scheduling. Yeah. You know, Radford on a neutral court. Did Pitt dodge them? 
Uh, Pitt dodged them. They, uh, they did not yeah, play the city game this r- year. R- really tough scheduling by Pitt. Yeah, that's Jeff Capel. We, we went to 20 games, so we couldn't fit oh. them in the ACC. Yeah, you yeah, know, 20 yeah. games. Yeah, understand. Um, but, but in terms of the A-10, perform much better than they have last year. And, and everyone expected that. The league's a little bit older. Um, you've had coaches in place for a little bit longer now. You, you didn't necessarily have any high-profile departures last offseason. So uh, the league was much better positioned to succeed and, and is playing much better. Bill, uh, some uh, uh, roster movement at uh, URI as well you can t- talk about. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, you know, Freshman guard Greg Hammond has opted to transfer. He's put his name into the NCAA portal. Uh, only played in four games, did not appear in the last three. Uh, Dana Tate remains indefinitely suspended. He was not at practice on Tuesday. Uh, violation of team rules, the, the always vague and, and sort of uh, you know, non-descriptive uh, suspension reason. Um, but basically leaving Rhode Island with a very thin bench going forward, uh, starting with Western Kentucky on Saturday. You, you really have no guards to back up Fats Russell and Jeff Doubt. And you got a couple walk-ons there, Eric Datica and Jordan Green. Uh, you're going to have Tyrese Martin playing the shooting guard a, a little bit more, I would imagine. Um, but it, it, it does bring up you know some interesting lineup combinations for David Cox and you know some questions about just depth, whether it be the second half of this season or, or going into next season. Are you more concerned about the front-court depth, which will we'll get a bit of a push with Antoine Walker being eligible, all the backcourt depth, and most people would say, well, you know, they have Fats Russell and Jeff Doughton, uh, and I don't want to see either one of those two guys come off the floor either, but it has to happen, folks, and, and can happen via foul trouble as well. Uh, you more concerned about the backcourt or the frontcourt? Well, a lot of folks look and they'll say, well, if Jeff Doughton or Fats get hurt, uh, we don't have a replacement now. Well, you didn't really have one before. If one of those guys goes down, you're not going to replace them with, with anybody off your bench. Uh, they're both way too good and way too experienced for that sort of thing. But this, where their bench is at right now is sort of a chain reaction that, that's a couple years in the making. Um, you, know, you have a, a couple guys decommit when Dan Hurley goes to UConn. Brendan Adams is one of them. Uh, he leaves. You get Omar Silverio in the spring. Um, and theoretically, he's going to be one of the guards who you groom off the bench. He leaves after one year. Uh, one of your top recruiting targets, Demir Bishop, he verbals to Xavier. You pivot to Greg Hammond. He's sort of a secondary option. Uh, he leaves after one semester. So if you're following the steps, you know, the dominoes there, you're looking at how sort of a coaching change and some staff changes mm-hmm. and a couple misses in recruiting, uh, you know, a couple guys with, with personal circumstances. Silverio have obviously had some family considerations. Uh, that he wanted to address. He went a little closer to home at Hofstra, um, you know, but wasn't playing, and, and that's certainly part of it. Uh, he's from New York. New York isn't exactly Australia from Rhode Island. It's pretty close. You know, if, if he was happy here, more likely he would have stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's maybe the sort of thing that you know, if you're a Rhode Island and, and you're not necessarily a high major that attracts top 50 recruits who are willing to sit on the bench, um, those are the sorts of things that, if you're going to build depth and a consistent winner year over year, those are the sorts of things that you hope to avoid. Well, I think what you're saying is, Kevin, uh, they can probably make it through this year as long as they're blessed with good health. But boy, next year, uh, once you lose only two seniors, but two really huge, huge pieces of the pie in Doughton and Cyril Langevin, uh, 
that's when your depth will really be challenged and uh, really puts an awful lot of emphasis on adding to the recruiting class this year. Uh, and I always love the fans who say, well, well, why did you take you know McNamara and Koch early? You know, you don't have any scholarships left. I always say God will provide. That's right. Something will happen, and you always keep recruiting. And that's what assistant coaches always say. We're always recruiting for this class, that class. And uh, sure enough, uh, the Rams will keep recruiting for the class of 2020. Yeah, two scholarships open now. Uh, two guards already signed, Elijah Wood and, and Ishmael Leggett, and they feel really good about both of those guys. Uh, you know, But coming in next year, they will be freshmen. Uh, and Fats Russell is going to be your only returning guard uh, alongside Jeremy Shepard, who it doesn't look like is going to play this season. Uh, you know, He was academically ineligible to start. Uh, David Cox was asked about his availability yesterday for second semester. He said probably not. I don't know if we'll ever see him. Well... Potentially, you might not, but yeah. next year, you're going to have two guys who are going to graduate, two freshmen behind them, no real bridge in between. Mm. Uh, when those two guys graduate, you follow into the next season, and if you haven't taken a transfer, grad transfer, whatever it might be, you have two sophomores out there. Talented, yes, but you're going to be a little bit younger right. to start. You, you don't necessarily have those bridge players, those steady hands who can help whether it be in a few minutes off the bench, in practice, whatever it is. Your you're two scholarships left for 2020, you were looking for a big man. Uh, you missed on Josh Agundale. He committed to Iowa. Uh, so you're probably still looking for some front court help. Cyril Langevin is going to be a huge loss up there. There's no question about that. Yep. Um, so that's it with the Rams. Uh, as I said, Brown and Bryant uh, have not played. They've only practiced in the last week so we will uh now go to our they're out of the show sorry they're, they're guys. out sorry guys enjoy your christmas we'll check in next week um actually brown i think still won't have played a game when we when we check in next week but it all depends when the podcast comes together right well the you know bill will still be unwrapping his gift so it's tough it, it, it's a multi multi day event in the Koch household. So I might still know. be giving them. Who knows? Well, that goes without saying. That's right. But um, we're not going to sing any Christmas songs. Heaven forbid. But uh, I wish we had some background music here and we could <laughs> give out some some gifts. Uh, Christmas ideas, gifts, etc. Good. Uh, I have four. Bill, do you have four? four? I, I can come up with All four. Right. So uh, I'm a generous guy. I'm going to start. Uh, most of mine, of course, are a little snarky, I guess. Sorry, sorry I'm guilty. <laughs> And uh, not I'm, you. Kevin. I'm going to give a, a, a gift to Ed Cooley, mm. the Providence coach, and it's going to be a point guard. Yeah, and maybe two. Yeah, um, and of course, I can't really give him a point guard for this year. But uh, how about some for next year? And uh, Jared Bynum, the uh, transfer from St. Joe's, is is sitting out. Uh, I think he would be playing a lot, folks, if he was eligible. Right now, but uh, next year the Friars will have a new point guard. Uh, after what I've seen, they need to go out and get another one because you never have enough. So that's my first gift: a point guard to the Friars. Very good. Keep going. Uh, okay, I'll do two, and then you have to give two. How's that? Yeah. Uh, to the Big East in general, a top ten team. Okay. Uh, I don't see one yet. Uh, Villanova has kind of carried that banner for the last several seasons. Uh, Butler currently is a top 10 team in the net rankings. They came out this week, and uh, Butler is at four, uh, and then it's Villanova 24. So that's a huge gap there. Mm. 
Uh, and uh, I've seen Butler several times. I like their team. They're vastly improved. Very good defensive team. They're not a top 10 team. Right. So we'll see if someone from behind uh, Butler and Villanova can rally and become a top 10 team. But uh, So those are my first two. To the Rhodey Rams, uh, and this isn't necessarily physically possible, but the magic of Christmas will make it so. I'm going to bottle whatever elixir is in the veins of Fat, Fats Russell, mm. that confidence, that swagger, and I'm going to give you all, the entire Rhodey Rams roster and fan base for that matter, a shot of it Oh, before the biggest game on your schedule, which is probably at VCU on January 11th. I'm going to give you a round of shots for all because that guy is so special, Kevin. It, I, it's, it's beyond, considering what he went through last year, mm. being so ineffective, struggling so much, and finishing that season the way he did, and then carrying that over into this year, I, I wonder what it's like to have confidence like that. I, I certainly don't. It's unshakable yeah. with that kid. It's like, uh, you know, we're, we're both uh, hack golfers. It's every putt inside 10 feet we, we know it's is going, going in. in. Going in. It's going in. And uh, I will say that to transfer that from the first, uh, how many, uh, they played, what, uh, nine games nine so far? Games. Uh, to 30 is is a challenge and a half. But I, his confidence is not going to be shook. I think no. we, we saw that last year yeah. when he goes, you know, two for 16, and then the next game he shoots 15 more times. Uh, so we don't have to worry about confidence. Production, of course, you know, everyone's. Uh, if he can match this type of production, we'd talk about an All-American season th- it, thus far. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, for college basketball at large, second gift. Second gift. Legal resolutions. <laughs> Finally, to all this nonsense from the shoe companies, whether it be Adidas, you know, they're sniffing around Nike, uh, Under Armour will have their turn, I'm sure. Let's end all this, please. Can we please have a business waddle that works for the sport for the athletes so that we don't have Will Wade on some wiretap talking about how he made a strong-ass offer to some recruit and how guys are being paid under the table and assistant coaches are going to jail. So does this mean you don't want a a final national championship game of Kansas and Louisville? No, I want a resolution to all this. I want the sport to get back to what it's supposed to be, which is players on the court competing at a high level. Uh, the skill that they show, the athleticism that they show, it's, it's as great as it's ever been. Uh, and yet we have to continually obscure it with this nonsense from the adults off the floor. And it's, it's just a shame. So I'd like all the notices of allegations to be sent out. Santa can bring all those in. We can resolve all of those and move on. Okay. Uh, I have uh, two more. But we'll start with the uh, first one. One of our favorite coaches and he would be in Lexington, Kentucky, Coach John Calipari. Oh, very so good. I'm going to give something to Coach Cal. Very good. Um, some better one and duns. Uh-huh. Uh, Coach Cal has one and done his way into the Hall of Fame. Um, be honest with you, I'm not quite sure why he's in the Hall of Fame, but that's that's a different story. He does have wow. Does have one national championship? Wow, that's um, a fast there, ball under the chin. Other guys with multiple national championships who are not in the Hall of Fame, but maybe that's a Hall of Fame problem. But anyways, wow, the guy who gave us John Wall, Anthony Davis, Julius Randle, mm. um, we need better one and dunce. So, yeah, sorry. That's a low blow, but... Strong. It's Christmas. You know? Strong. Yeah. You've been reading Not Jerry Tipton too often, I think. Oh. 
an outstanding follow on Twitter, folks. Not Jerry Tipton. Follow along, please. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Mr. Koch is correct. My last one is going to go to another national coach who I've never met, uh, but I've always admired, and uh, it's a national title to Mark Few. Oh, very good. Gonzaga's Mac, uh, Mark Few uh, has knocked on the door a few times. Uh, yet again, he has a national top 10 team. Uh, could be they got some number one votes for the first time in the poll this week. Uh, they won't lose many more times right now, from now until March, till the tournament bracket comes out. Gonzaga, I put it in the books. They're not going to lose more than two more times the rest of the way. It's just the way it is. Um, and we'll see what they can do come March. But uh, maybe it's finally Gonzaga's time. That's good. Thank you. That's good. I That's like it. it. Uh, no, no more. No more gifts. No more. You're done. No. no. Uh, let's see. My third gift, uh, health to Cole Anthony. Um, sure. A guy who is... Uh, could be the number one pick in the draft next year. Uh, just recently underwent knee surgery, uh, and North Carolina is in the tank without him. Uh, out of the top 25 for the first time in, I think, 106 weeks, if I read that right. Uh, really, really struggling right now. And, and yes, you know, I understand it's North Carolina, and it sort of goes back to my last gift. They've had academic issues and, and probably should be on probation and, and all that. Uh, but they are on a run right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, where they've lost four out of five. Their last defeat, Sunday against Wofford. I watched that game. Uh, this is not your father's Tar Heel team. Even if Cole was healthy and playing, uh, young guys who are not. And I want to go back a little bit to the Kentucky situation. There's really not. This is not a great one and done class. Right. And if Cole Anthony's not the number one freshman, he's in the top two or three. Uh, and North Carolina doesn't have a Cole Anthony freshman behind them. That's right. Um, so it's just not a super talented Carolina team. They're going to need Cole to be an upper-level ACC team. He's hurt, has a bad knee, had surgery. Uh, Leaky Black also didn't play in that game. Wing guy, very talented. Uh, Armando Baycott is fighting an ankle injury. He suffered against Ohio State. Uh, really bad sprain. So... Not a good team right now. Very strange to see a blue blood like North Carolina struggling, but it all goes back to Cole Anthony. We need health for him, uh, for the good of college basketball. And, and then lastly, um, you know, I would say that I'm going to say in state one more. Mm. I'm going to give Bryant the means to retain Jared Grasso for at least one more year uh, because I see the Bulldogs on the sort of upward trajectory that could put them at or near the top of the NEC this season. And I think for him to take that program like he has from year one to year two, I can only imagine what he'd look like from year two to year three. I hope, I hope that he's not tempted by the likes of a bottom feeder in the A-10 like Fordham, uh, who will dismiss Jeff Newbar. I'll predict that now. Um, I hope that he has the patience to wait for a really good job to come open, something that's in the top half of its respective league. Uh, because I think that he is capable of doing something special in Smithfield. I, I see him as type of guy who could be a rising star in, in coaching. And you know, I think that he could put the Bulldogs in position to be good you know, for the next four or five years if he has one more season in year three. I just like to see them get one of those home games, top four finish in the NEC. You know, uh, uh, certainly that's the expectation now after what uh, Bryant has done. But 
As we all know, league play is a different animal, and uh, we're not quite there. We have one more week in the college basketball season before uh, conference play gets going right about New Year's, and we will check in with one more Pick and Pop podcast before the conference play gets going. So, Bill, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Kevin. Health and happiness to everyone who listens to us and enjoys college basketball in Rhode Island. And happy holidays, folks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.